I'm excited about this series we're doing. We've been working on it for a long time, for months, talking about it for months. And uh, that didn't tell you a lot, does it? Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that relationships can be difficult. And the truth is that a lot of relationship problems, we, we all have them. We all have relationships. But my question is, why do we have so many problems with those? And this isn't limited to married people, unmarried people, church, unchurch. It's everybody. I mean, with friends, you seem to have issues at times. And I don't know if you've noticed this, friends, or, or maybe no friends. Um, you look at groups of friends, they seem to struggle in and out. And there's just issues. I mean, we're, we're familiar with some of the issues, right, between men and women, right? <laughs> some of you are sitting by your husband or wife, and you're like, don't say anything. I, heard, I, I have to tell you, what's funny is, you know, with men and male-female stuff, we can always joke about that, right? It's safe to joke? <clears throat> okay. I heard this wisdom from a father. He says to his son, he says, he says, as you accumulate understanding, you will hopefully learn why pizzas are round, but they go in a square box. And then we eat them in triangles. And when you have all that figured out, then you still won't understand women. That's what he said. <laughs> um, maybe you've heard this, that when she's right, you're wrong. And when she's wrong, what are you? Still wrong, right? Okay, as long as you understand that. But that's just the beginning, right? Because have you noticed how different God made us? To me, this is one of the most cool things about God is his creativity. I mean, we see it in nature all the time. We're not talking about that today. I'm just talking about people. I mean, you can look around. I love my, my mom is here visiting. It's good to have my mom in the, in the house. Today she's visiting because Theo graduated on Thursday. And so, um, but, you know, picking her up at the airport, I always like getting there early. Does anybody else do this? I just love watching people. I love it. I love seeing the creativity of God, and I love seeing the families. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, that has to be a sister. They look like, like twins or a mother-daughter. Or, or just, and, and it's fun seeing people greet each other, and it's just the way that different personalities have you. Do you guys appreciate this? The introverts and the extroverts, the talkative people, the people of few words. I mean, how are we supposed to get along when we're so different? Have you noticed that? And you've got serious people. And have you met somebody who they joke around they're an old soul? I mean, they were 30 when they were 15. And they're just, they're just serious. And then some people are lighthearted about everything and laugh all the time. And some people are other-focused. Some people are self-focused. Some people are arrogant. Some people are humble. Yet loud and quiet and thoughtful and shallow and servants and, and those who like being served. And athletic people and people who are not athletic and servants. And I already said that. And flamboyant and plain and... I've got a list here, the whole page. Shoppers and frugal and sad and happy and angry and forgiving and grudge collectors and gracious and up and down and cautious and adventuresome and busy and still and listen, people who listen and talk. And then you've got people who are different generations. Have you ever noticed how weird that is? Have you ever been talking about something and somebody goes, what are you talking about? You're like, oh, wow, I guess you weren't born when that happened, right? Remember my son asked one time, he said, why do you say roll up the window? And I'm looking at him like, are you thinking because it doesn't, oh, he's never seen the roll crank thing. And at the time, his grandma still had a truck with one of those. I said, well, you know how grandma's truck, you got to crank that thing? He goes, well, still, it doesn't roll. I'm like, that's a good point. You got me. I don't know. That's what we say, right? It's funny, isn't it? Does anybody remember before cell phones? I've told stories and people are like, well, why don't you just call on your cell phone? Oh, yeah. Well, there weren't cell phones. Yeah, that's why. Think about how life has changed. I mean, at any moment of the day, you can look at your phone and you can access information that was not available, what, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? 
I mean, now we can access you know, information that used to be something you have to go to the library for or, or call somebody or go to an expert. And I can fix things on my car I would have never dared try before because I can pull up YouTube and go step by step and watch somebody do on my car model. It's amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. Life has changed. Now, how do you get along and how do you relate to people that are so different? I mean, does anybody remember life before microwaves? Who here had an 8-track player? You can be honest. Who here had a reel-to-reel? You even know, I know some kids are like, what is that? I know. And then you know what was next, right? What was next? Cassettes. And then what? CDs. Do, do any of your cars have a CD player anymore? Because now it's all Bluetooth, right? I mean, it's, things change. How do you even talk to people like that? I mean, and then you've got culture differences. I mean, if you're from the Midwest or the North or the South, and we have different terms and names for things, and East Coast, West Coast, and then, and then values. Have you noticed how different people have different values? How do you talk to people or have relationship when they have totally different values than you? Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, he, he talks about the values of our world today. It's like they're flying upside down, and he tells the story of a, a pilot who was flying, and they were flying by instruments, and they got disillusioned inside of a cloud, and they thought they were flying upright, and their warnings were going off that they were getting too close to the ground, but because they didn't see the ground, they were disoriented, they turned up, but they didn't realize they were upside down and flew right into the ground. That's kind of a picture of our society today. Because up is down, have you noticed? And right is wrong. And things you always thought were wrong are now right, and you were wrong for thinking they're wrong. Did you follow that? Okay. Because you can't be sure about, you we're told today you can't be sure about any moral values. Except for that, you can be sure that you can't be sure. I always ask people, are you sure? Are you sure about that? <laughs> then they kind of look at me like, are you playing with me? No, I'm not. The thing is, you, you basically told me that you're sure about it. I mean, it's like everything is relative. And I like to ask, is that relative, what you just said? I mean, if things change and everything's nothing's for sure, what's for sure? We live in a world that doesn't have any uh, moorings anymore. It's almost as if culture has gone crazy. It's like we're flying upside down. And culture has tried to define, redefine so many things, not just biblical things, but things that have been part of society for generations and thousands and thousands of years like redefine marriage or what's male, what's female. And I heard an interesting analogy. It was actually out of Dallas Willard's book. He was talking about how um, he saw a child going through the produce department. Have you noticed they put those little UPC code stickers on all the produce now? Anybody ever notice that? You ever try to get one of those off an apple? Like, <laughs> Forget it. Just cut that part off. You know, you might as well just eat around it. But he saw this little kid going through and he was changing all the UPC codes <laughs> on the fruit. <laughs> Now, of course, I thought that was funny because I'm the guy that sets all the timers in, the <laughs> in that part of the store. But what he pointed out was you can change the UPC code, but it's still a banana. It may, it may ring up as an apple, but it's a banana. Have you seen what's going on? How do you get along and talk to people? How do you have your relationship when people think so differently? How do you do that? Because as Christians, we're called to do that. We're not called to live in isolation and not have conversation and not have relationship. And if we don't have relationship, you're never going to convince them. And the goal is always to see people come to Christ. And if you can't even talk about these things, then you can't get people to come to Christ. It just won't happen. Have you noticed what's happening? I mean, our whole world is going to, it's going to blow up even more than what now. I don't know if you noticed, a couple months ago, New York State was celebrating that they could kill babies in the womb up until the moment of birth. 
And then there was a whole big uproar because of the governor of Virginia was talking about a baby born that had intended to be aborted. If it's born, then it will be alive and outside the womb. They'll keep it comfortable. Then they'll decide whether or not to kill it. And then now Georgia, and I heard Missouri too, but Georgia's and another state is trying to force this to go back to the Supreme Court with Roe versus Wade. Because what they've done is they passed, they passed a bill. What they're trying to do is, is show that the baby's a human being. So you cannot abort after the heartbeat is detected. What's, what's interesting is we're, we're at this crux of, of, of a problem because science keeps telling us over and over and over, no, 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 the baby's alive. It's always human. I mean, it's never not human. It's never not alive. So it comes down to it. People have to decide, well, are we going to be honest about what we're killing here or not? It's, it's awkward because people get very emotional. Have you noticed? Have you, have you know? It will get worse. I promise you. It will get worse. In the middle of all this, I don't know if you followed this story of all. She passed away a few years ago, but Norma McCorvey, does anybody know who that is? That was Roe from Roe versus Wade. She lived in Texas at the time. She, she ended up having her baby. You may not know the history of this. She ended up having her baby and then ultimately became a Christian and then fought. She started a, an organization called Roe No More, fighting to preserve babies' lives. What I didn't know is looking through the history of that, there was another case that, that was decided the same day called Doe versus Bolton. And that lady became a Christian as well and decided she wanted to save babies afterward too and fought for that her whole life as well. My point is this, that this is going to be an issue not just between husbands and wives and generations. It's going to be something that you're going to be discussing with family members. And it's going to be something that's going to be you're going to discuss with people at the checkout counter. And how do you do that? How do you maintain relationship and stay godly and have a conversation that changes people's lives, especially when it's super emotional? Because the problem is, I say this a lot, especially when I'm talking to people about convincing people about Christ, because if, if you've come to a conclusion emotionally, uh, logical arguments just aren't satisfying. They don't work. And I'm going to use an example, and I apologize if this hurts if, because we've experienced this. But if, for instance, when you've experienced a loss or lost a baby and somebody says, they're in a better place. Is that true? Sure. Does it feel good? No. How do you do that then? How do you have discussions? I heard this, this phrase this year from one of my students. I'd never heard this before. We were talking about this very issue about how you have to find a way to talk about emotional things and bring logic in and somehow, and, and he says, well, it's feels over reels. And we were talking specifically about how on the internet, it's the worst place to argue and talk about things. I mean, it is. It just is. And he says a lot of times you'll see an argument getting crazy and then somebody will write feels over reels and then it really blows up because basically what you're saying is you're being emotional and you're not using logic and it, it ends up being an insult when it doesn't have to be. I think there's a reason why the Internet is not a good place because I think, <clears throat> I think people are naturally more aggressive there. Have you noticed that? Because it's different when you're not looking someone eye to eye. It's almost like you're not arguing with a person. It's as if people drop their personhood and they're not, not real people you love and care about anymore because you can say whatever you want and there's no repercussions, at least not immediate and nothing right in your face. You can't see the look on someone's face when you insult them and they, they're crestfallen and they drop and they're hurt. You can't see it. You might see it in the text that comes back or the, the words that come back. But, but the Internet's not a good place to talk about these things because you can't really talk about it. You can't show how much you care and love about a person and say things like that over. You can say, have you noticed how people a lot of times they'll get ready, get ready for an insult if somebody says, I'm just saying. 
So that excuses whatever next comes back. Or um, uh, I've heard people say, uh, what's the other one? Sometimes people say, with all due respect, then they're going to be very unrespect, disrespectful. <laughs> Have you noticed that? <laughs> you know what I think happens a lot of times, too, is that um, it desensitizes people to people. There's actual people here. You know what it kind of reminds me of is how people drive their cars. You notice they can be kind of crazy behind the wheel of a car. I think it's because they're driving like a, you know, two or three thousand dollar or two, two or three thousand dollar. Yeah, if, if that would be nice, right? If they cost them a two or three thousand pound, you know, armored vehicle and they can do whatever they want. And you can't see the face of the person you just cut off and you just speed away. And that's kind of how it is on the Internet. It's just not a great place. What I've noticed, too, is the Internet likes controversy. Have you noticed? I mean, how is all that paid for? It's paid by ads. So I, I really do believe this. I read this recently, and I, I think it's true. I can't know what's true online or in the news anymore. But they talked about how the fact that Facebook and Twitter and all these places, there's algorith- algorithms built in to hype the things that invoke rage. And I thought about that. I thought, why would they do that? Well, it's because it just gets more people clicking. And the fact is, the more people who click, the more ads you see and the more money people make. It's just the way it is. I think some people do it because they get attention for things and they don't have to have really a good argument. Anyway, I I just recommend not doing that. It's just not a great place for that. I've heard people talking. They'll say, don't confuse me with the facts my mind's made up. So how do you reconcile that with this? You see, God's not going to rewrite his revelation to us or his character for each generation's ideas about right and wrong. It's not going to happen. So how do you as a Christian lovingly embrace the truth and share that with people who don't want to hear it? That's just one area where relationships are difficult. I, we haven't even touched the surface with just regular people. Have you noticed how frustrating it is? There's so many parties right now. I, I went to a, a grad party last night. It was, it was really funny because I got there. I was, it was um, a crazy time for a party. It was 7 to 11. I'm thinking, who's going to do that on a Saturday night? You know, and I got there. I was late, and, you know, and we were done with our day's activities, so I ran over there real quick. And, and they said, why are you so late? late how am I late it was a come and you go right come as you go and from 7 to 11 and they're like well yeah I guess but you're kind of late <laughs> it's not 11 and I'm not staying till then so you know it's funny isn't it how different people have different ideas of time right I mean if you were raised in a home where things were running late all the time maybe you want to be on time I know for me I want to be, always be on time I want to be I want to be a few minutes early but, but you don't want to be too early, right? Have you ever done this where time, maybe the thing starts at 2 and you get there at quarter till? That's too early. You can't walk in at quarter till, right? That would be weird. So then you drive around or sit outside till what time? 5 till. Yeah, isn't that funny? We have these ideas about time, and yet I've worked with other cultures and, and different people where it's not about the time, and then they just stay forever because it's about being there and being in the moment. And I love that. I love that idea, but, man, we got things to do, and i got to go to bed, and... Right? <laughs> I, I've heard this story. I've never seen it done. It'd be funny. But if somebody just said, I mean, I heard people say this, like, hey, just turn the lights out whenever you're done. I'm going to bed. But how do you do that? How do you deal with relationships when we're so different? I mean, I love, I love the, that whole idea of love languages and the fact that some people are gift-oriented and time-oriented and touch-oriented and service-oriented and words-oriented. But then how do you get along with people who are different than you? I mean, how do you do it? How do you get along? I think we're all different, and I love that we're different, but my question is, what does an ideal relationship even look like then? 
under the circumstances that we're so different and we're supposed to get along and God calls us to do relationship. How do we do it? How do we do it when, when you've got different kinds of relationships even? You've got romantic and, and plutonic and familial and, and um, it's so funny how life is. And, you know, I talked, I briefly joked about men and women, so I thought it would be fun to bring even a little more joking in. So, have you ever seen this video? In case you don't know how to relate, this might help. <coughs> oh, I forgot to turn the audio on. Sorry, Dave. Can we go back? Oh, and I'm, I messed the whole thing up. Oh, my gosh. Because it would be so funny if it worked right. <laughs> I don't know who's back there. Eric, if you're back there, can you plug in the audio? <laughs> Are we good to go? Let's see. No, we're not. <laughs> Sorry, I, it's too good to waste. I can't waste it. Have you ever been told, you know, it just seemed that just the difficulty between men and women and how we communicate? And, and just how different we are. And, um, okay, I think we're ready. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. So he's trying to understand. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Oh, come on. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Okay. Is <laughs> it worth the wait? I hope so because <laughs> That's not about who's right or wrong, right? That's just about relationships. They're hard. So how do you do it? How do you get along? Families, husbands, wives, dads, kids, moms, kids, girls, guys. Have you noticed that women tend to talk face to face and guys, we're, we're cool if it's just like this? We're side to side, just watching something, we're fine. You <laughs> this happened to me, like, what'd you guys talk about? Uh, nothing. But you had a good time? Yeah. You talked? Yeah. Or <laughs> somebody has a baby and Nicole will be asking all these questions. Well, how long was it? I don't know. It's a boy. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're different. Here's, here's the point God created us for relationship, He did. As difficult as it seems, and as different as we all are, and all the pitfalls and danger and difficulty, he still created us for a relationship. And I know for some of you, you're thinking, man, it seems impossible that he did. Why did he do it like he did? You know what? He did it because it's more interesting that way. And if you haven't noticed this, God is a God of variety, and he loves it. 
And so it's difficult for us because if it was, everybody was the same, it would be boring. It might, we might get along easier, but it would be little robots and it would be boring, I promise. He created us for relationship. The first thing is he created us for relationship with him, with him. And I know that for some of you, you're thinking, what? Why would he do that? Well, it wasn't because he was lonely, just so you understand. It wasn't. It's because he loves you. And he gave you free will for that very purpose, that he wanted relationship with beings who could and would choose him. He wanted relationship, real relationships, in all the variety, in all the difference. He created it that way, and he wanted it that way, and he wanted deep relationship. That's what he wanted. He wanted relationship with you. Now, for me, that blows my mind, and it never stops blowing my mind, the fact that he wants relationship with me. But here's the key. You get to choose. Actually, you, you have to choose. You have to choose it. Now, I don't know if you've been like this, but I've had these relationships where I didn't choose them. Maybe a roommate or someone you work with, and, and you're in relationship because you're near them. But then when you don't have that anymore, you're no longer in relationship. Have you noticed? You have to choose. And the thing with God is not only did he give us a choice, but he leaves the choice to us. Do you want the relationship? <clears throat> then if you do, you have to make a choice. And you have to move through to, toward him. It's not like it just happens without your choice, without your action. You choose. He draws you. He makes it available. He wants you to have relationship. But ultimately, the depth, you, let me say it this way. You have the relationship with God that you actually want. Did you hear that? You have the relationship with God that you want. Because he's there. He wants it. You choose it. The truth is it's the same for every single relationship you have. You have to choose it. You choose the kind of relationship, the depth of relationship, but you have to choose it. It doesn't just happen. You choose. He said it was not good for us to be alone. I mean, here he's talking about Adam and Eve, and, and <clears throat> the truth is when he created Adam, it's really interesting how he did it. He does this. He says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. And then a little, little, little later in that chapter, he says, so God gave, Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. You know what he's saying here? It's not good to be alone. What's interesting about this, on the sixth days of creation, everything God created, he said it was good, except for this. He wanted you to have relationship, and he wanted you to match. Why? Why would he do it? He did it for a lot of reasons. I think one of, the, one of the key reasons is he wanted them to be in relationship with each other and an encouragement to each other. First of all, in Ephesians chapter 4, this is the New Living Translation, it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but if Adam was alone, he would never have heard a word. Not a word. Nothing. God wanted us to hear encouraging words. He wanted us to be lifted up by each other, to be good and helpful. The NIV says it like this. No unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. And this is not limited to marriage. This is for everybody. The fact is, every single one of us in relationship, they should be built on this, where you put the other person first and what you say and do benefits them. In the Amplified Version, it says, do not let unwholesome foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building others up according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those 
who hear you speak. It's about mutual edification. It's about the other person. And you choose it. You choose it. You choose with the words you say. They have power. Words not to tear down but to lift up. Power of life and death. Power of blessings and cursings. Those words are huge. Have you heard this thing about this random act of kindness? How about, how about we change that around and you actually choose to do good things and it be intentional, purposeful, meaningful, blessing acts of beauty? I'm not into random and accident. I'm into purposeful. I think the other reason he did it is family. He did it because God knew that man wasn't, it wouldn't be right for there just to be that one male expression of humanness and personhood. It's, it's the fact is there's a balance in male and female that are healthy and good and natural and normal. And the fact is that, that they're needed for survival. There's gifts and strengths to each side of who we are as men and women. Those of you who've had to raise kids on your own, you know what that's like to try to be all dad and all mom. It's hard. It's not how God intended it. It's not the best way. He wanted more than that. He wanted the nurturing side and the challenging side. He, he wanted the listener and the solver and the talker. And he wanted all those parts involved. It's how God does it. It's how he wants it. It's, it's life, the way it should be. He even talks about this in marriage. It's to be high, held in high honor that is regarded as something of great value. And the marriage bed undefiled by immorality, by sexual sin. For God will judge us sexually immoral and the adulterous. He wanted that as part of everything. It was a building block of civilization. I thought, I thought this this week. God didn't want Spartans or Amazons. Did you ever think about that? We toy with that idea with, you know, superheroes and all that. But the reason is because that's an extreme and that's not the balance of what God wants. Men need the civilizing influence of women. Guys, you know what it's like when those women are around, right? You go camping for a week. It's not good. It's, I mean, it's okay, but it's not good. When God created man, he said it was not good for him to be alone. Then we read in Proverbs, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and he obtains a favor of the Lord. It's a good balance that God created there. How does that work? I think it keeps working like this. Marriage, God teaches us forgiveness and what it means to sacrifice and patience and die to yourself and living for, for a spouse, for a person, for another person to build a home together. Becoming one flesh, it's more than intimacy. It's what's best for the other person, that their interests become your interests. And the same goes with every relationship you have. I think this is the beginning point for all the other relationships. Think about this for a minute. We're all flawed. But in looking and recognizing the flaw, that shows that we know what the ideal should be. Every single one of us has seen a relationship and it be out of balance. And in Ephesians, Paul talks about it like this. Further, we should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission there. Then he goes on to talk about, it's for this reason a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. He says it's a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So how do you do this? How do you do this even in life? I think it goes to this. Paul talks about it in Philippians. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of yourself as better than uh, others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others true. Here's, here's what it comes down to. It's humility. It's the measure by, by which we measure everything. What's best for them? So how can you possibly get along with people? 
as an introduction to the series, it works like this. Recognize first, you don't, it's not good for us to be alone. Recognize secondly that you choose. You choose the relationships that you're going to have. And everything starts with a choice. And every choice that you make translates into some kind of action. Are you going to put others first or not? Are you going to honor them before yourselves or not? Are you going to listen or not? Have you ever heard that old joke about how many people it takes to change a light bulb? You know, we've heard all the different kinds, right? But I've heard this too. It doesn't really matter. What matters is if the light bulb wants to be changed. It comes down to this. When we're in Christ, he changes us from the inside out. That's what he does. As we've been talking about all year, talking about the fact that when Jesus came, he changed everything. And going back to this, Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He says, uh, listen, Israel, our love, love the Lord with God, with your, the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Second, love your neighbors yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. That's the measure of everything. Your love for God will be measured by how you treat other people. I want you to shut your eyes for just a second as we think about this. I know as I've been talking today, I've, we've joked about male-female relationships. We talked about generations. We talked about marriage. We talked about friendship. Whatever relationship kept coming to your mind, I'm just wondering how that is going. Maybe for you, you were thinking about a relationship that's on rocky ground right now, and you're struggling, and you're thinking, God, I don't know what to do with this. Let me just ask you, how do you handle conflict in a Christ-like way? How do you create loving, healthy relationships? How do you respond when you've been hurt? How do you love a world that respects your values? How do you love when you're insulted and taken advantage of? How do you do that? Do you respond with compassion or criticism? Do you respond with love or hate? Do you respond with patience or rudeness? Do you put other people first? Do you put their interests above your own? With your eyes closed for just a minute, I know that some of us, as you're sitting here, you're thinking, I'm struggling in this area. Or maybe, and this is fair because it's true and normal, maybe you're thinking about somebody that you think needs to hear this. <laughs> the bottom line is this, though. The person you can change is you. And we serve a God who desperately wants you to be in relationship. That's what he wants above anything else. And everything builds off that first relationship, the relationship with him. I don't think there's any way that we can honestly put everybody ahead of ourselves unless you first have the relationship with him figured out. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm curious, is there anybody here that you would just be honest and say that you don't really have a relationship with him? Anybody like that here today? You could just raise your hand really quickly. That you just don't have that relationship, that foundational relationship. I see that hand. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Then let's do this together. I, I would like us to pray. And what we're going to pray is that ask that God would start that relationship with us right now today. And from there, in the next few weeks, we'll build on these other relationships. But if you would just, all of us, repeat this prayer with me. And the prayer, basically what it does is it acknowledges the fact that we've done things that are wrong, that Jesus paid the price for those things, and we want him to come in and live with us and begin that relationship. So let's do that together. If you would repeat after me. Father God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that are wrong. 
I want a relationship with you. I want Jesus to come in and live in my heart and make me new from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Jeremy is coming. I'm very excited about this as we honor our graduates.